Welcome to Convincing Matters. Stu and I are going to ask the question, has everyone lost sight of the contract? Welcome to Convincing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. So, Stu, how are you, mate? I'm very good, Lorraine. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Probably better than a lot of law firms at the moment. Um, So uh, we don't normally give the date of these chats, but today's the 28th of November 2023. And on the 24th of November 2023, we started to get sort of trickling of information um, uh, that uh, another large uh, cloud-based sort of software provider that supports lots of law firms that had a cyber attack uh, and was affecting um, lots of law firms and their ability to complete. And Stu, you posed what I think is a brilliant question. You know, has everyone lost sight of the contract? So mm. what did you mean by that, Stu, when we were talking off air? Well, it's it's all the sort of, um, you know, all the fuzz that's around this. Um, and what do we do? You know, do we be nice to everybody? Do we, you know, advise our clients this, that and the other? But to me, it's, you know, you don't need to do anything. It all comes down to that contractual arrangement between the buyer and the seller and, and our role within it. And that is to advise our clients, be that, you know, the client that we're talking to that's moving house or the, you know, the mortgage lender. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, the first thing to say is, A, we never name names and B, hopefully, Stu, we never gloat and we don't point things. And of course, it's absolutely fair to say that every affected firm, every affected conveyancer in the firm and every affected client, we'd have a lot of sympathy with, uh, inevitably. And as with any cyber risk thing, we've always said, Stu, you know, there but for the grace of God go we. It could happen to anyone, couldn't it? But I think it won't be the last, will it? absolutely not it won't be the last so again i think hopefully this chat may be helpful in terms of if anything does happen in the future you know maybe everyone's you know aware of what they should be doing but you know it's so unfortunate and you know you just would not want to be in those law firm shoes at the moment and and dealing with this is obviously an absolute nightmare so my deepest sympathies do go out to them however um we don't seem to have had much in the way of sort of uh, concrete information or frankly dare mm. I say much sort of sense really from uh, people perhaps posting on social media and I think one of the slight um, sort of uh, things that could be misinterpreted is a lot of the commentary going around saying oh you know conveyances you know everybody's got to be kind well mm. We have got to be kind to each other. And as you and I chatted off air, Stu, we've got to be professional with our conveyancing colleagues. And if you're on the other side of a transaction that can't complete because of difficulty in a firm, you and your staff have got to maintain your professionalism. But that seems to be being the be kind mantra suddenly seems to be being um, sort of interpreted as oh, well, kind of none of this matters and let's be nice to the clients and let's not worry about the legal framework that this sits in and everything will come out in the wash. And and I simply can't get hold of that idea, Stu, can you? No, I completely agree with you. <clears throat> it's not a case of, of, of being horrible or kind. Um, it's a case of, you know, what you're here to do. And I think, you know, we would all be sort of, you know, 
ridiculously silly if we all thought that you know this might never happen to us one day we we, we could all be targets we probably all, all are targets we all use tech to some degree so we all you know we're all going to be targeted at some point but for me it's a you know it's recognizing what's happened it's having empathy you know with those law firms but equally you've got to tell your client what's happened what the situation is and there's also been a lot of criticism of some of these firms in terms of you know what's been publicly revealed but you know i'm sure if this happened to us the first thing we would do is probably contact our indemnity insurers mm-hmm. i'm sure their party line would be say nothing um and therefore it's not as easy i think as a lot of people think that you just come out there release a statement so on and so forth um and and those firms are probably sitting there not knowing a when things are going to be sorted and b they're probably not allowed to under the terms of their insurance reveal too much. So in terms of what then happens to us, I, if we're acting for a client, we're on the other side, we've just got to simply tell that client as it is and, and let them make the decisions of what they want to do. They've already entered into a contract. Obviously, if you're doing a simultaneous exchange and completion, you're not going to move forward with it in the immediate. Um, unless the client, of course, actually tells you to, but always bear in mind, you've got two clients, you know, the bank as well, but um, you know, your, your job, is to advise the client when things go wrong, you know, what their position is under the terms of the contract. And that's no different, really, is it, to um, somebody maybe, you know, having a situation where a vendor refuses to move out. Or, you know, we had them before where you ring up a buyer on the day and they've, you know, overslept and, oh, don't, can I not do it today or something ridiculous, you know. Your, your job is to advise the client under the terms of the contract, the implications of to the situation and what they can and can't do and let them make the decision. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing is that in many ways, I mean, the, the, the contract incorporating the standard conditions of sale, it's got lots of small print. Mm. Uh, it, it can seem quite harsh in its application, but the great advantage of that contract is, is, is it does have clarity. All you know, the, the parties, the contracting parties, the buyer and the seller know where they stand. And what the um contract does is give I've always described it as giving the, the contracting parties a second bite at the cherry. If the matter doesn't complete, then there is a, a, everybody gets another go. Um, and I'll perhaps come on to that in a minute. But I think, Stu, the reality of this is, I, I think, for the, given the clarity of that contract, actually the reason for the matter not completing is largely irrelevant. Yes. Between the buyer and the seller. At, yeah. at the moment, we happen to have something, uh, as we had two years ago, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but we have a situation where, you know, a, a, a 80 to 100 reportedly firms are affected by this um, cyber attack that's affecting their systems, uh, and meaning they can't proceed uh, because they can't get into their systems, presumably, and and and, and transact and do their daily work. Um, but in fact, you know, so, so we notice it and we know about it because it's a large sort of systemic issue. But the reality is, as between individual buyers and sellers, the actual reason for the matter not proceeding is i think irrelevant yeah as you've said there is a buyer and a seller they have entered into a binding contract that has terms and conditions and of course as you mentioned in passing a moment ago Stu, what people seem to forget time and time again in these situations is that the lender is also a client and we have talked about this now and uh, you know under our subscriptions webinars but um if a seller 
uh, you know, cannot redeem a mortgage on the day of completion, then the buyer cannot and should not be moving in. Of course. Of course, it's, it's the whole fundamental sort of foundation of conveyancing, isn't it? Under the protocol, you know, if you can't give that undertaking that the mortgage is going to be redeemed on the day that the money is sent over, then, yeah, you can't move forward. It's, you know, this is no, di- in my mind, it's no different to, I think it was three to four years ago. Um, and I won't, I can't remember, if it's, I'm sure it's three to four years ago. And I definitely know it was a Friday. Um, the only reason I know it's a Friday, it's the first year we ever had our Christmas party on a Friday as opposed to a Saturday. And Barclays uh, went. That's right. um, and I'm sure they were down for the majority of the day or certainly to the late afternoon. Um, and most of our fee owners were then, of course, locked in the office till seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, trying to you know get these balance of of completions done on on various means with its undertakings or or whatever the case may be, um, but it's no different to that. You know there could be a multitude of reasons as to why mm. a completion might not take place. And of course, if it is lawyer related, well then there is a retainer between the client and the lawyer, and that's for the client and the lawyer to sort out in terms of you know whether there's you know. Uh, a situation where costs might be covered by the lawyer, who knows? But that's for the that client and that lawyer to sort out. You know, your position is purely your client, whether your client suffers any loss, and in implementing that under the terms of the contract. And it's like when we talk about serving notice. Um, you know, there seems to be such a um, urge at the moment in the profession that as soon as two o'clock comes, if we've not completed, you know, we're going to serve notice, make time of the essence. But sometimes I think, well, do your client definitely want time to be the essence here? You know, this is a, a commercial transaction where you're getting a decent value here. You're actually sure you want your client to have exactly. the... Exactly. Um, I think people you know, fail, to, un- people you know, fail the, to understand, Stu, that the serving party can't withdraw it. No, exactly. So you have know. you spoken to your client and got clear instructions that they want you to serve the notice? Because I would guess that most a large proportion certainly yeah maybe don't don't and i would say all of the affected firms with the current cyber attack situation you know they're not in a position to serve a notice to complete because they're not ready able and willing to complete so uh-huh. you know that they had this, this had this exact debate um only, only last week ironically you know who who's ready and able here you know um but sometimes i think we get so caught up in this process um, and it becomes an automatic thing that people think uh, that they have to do. Well, actually, no, you don't have to serve notice in the slightest. No, um, I don't. No. Um, and well, I mean, I am. Str- that, that maybe that's the link to being kind, isn't it? You know, um, but it shouldn't be being kind. It shouldn't be an automatic thing to serve the notice. It should be your client's instruction to do so. I think that's the point. And and as I say, I, I, I absolutely subscribe to be part kind as in be client, be, you know, be be professional, uh, be reasonable. But fundamentally, um, you know, everybody can't just be sort of uh, I, either moving or, um, or, or or ignoring contractual responsibilities on behalf of their client because lots of firms are affected. I'm sorry, I just don't go with that one at all. That's, you know, the standard conditions of sale are there to give us clarity. Now, if the clients want to, um, you know, give the, the party on the other side of their contract some leeway because they accept that a systemic IT failure in the conveyancing process is not the fault of the party on the other side, 
that is fine. That is for your yeah. client to instruct yeah. you accordingly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you might be saying to your client, look, love, this is a fait accompli. This, you know, you've got a bit of a Hobson's choice here. We don't think we can complete. Um, you know, but it's not the other parties contracting parties' fault. You know, do you want to um uh sort of essentially waive some of your contractual uh, you know, um, entitlements or not, or, or I think what a responsible firm would be doing is saying, or oh, shall we just wait and see? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Well, don't forget, at the point when this broke on Friday, um, we didn't know at what point it was going to, you know, rumble on. You know, as far yeah. as we were concerned, it might have been resolved uh, yeah. in the afternoon. So, you know, I think there has been a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, and also as well... I, I've heard various people talk about clients' damages and stuff like that, and I'm thinking, crikey, you know, come on, you know, the, the you know, you, a client's got to mitigate their damages here. Um, this is not a, uh, this is not somewhere where they can just write a list of costs um, yeah. and automatically claiming back here. There is an obligation on the client to mitigate those costs. So there are certain circumstances where actually, um, you know, completing, you know, maybe a day later or weekend over a week, uh, you know, over the weekend on the Monday might not be the end of the world to them. But if these transactions, I mean, we're, it's reportedly the current attacks reportedly affected 80 to 100 firms. Mm -hmm. The affected firm put out one short statement on its website on the 24th, and I can't see that it's updated it since. So, Stu, for practical purposes, and certainly for next time, if a, if you're on the other side of a transaction, you're not affected and yeah. you have a completion because uh, you raised a very good point at the beginning, at the time these these this news sort of stories break. Of course, you don't know uh, who's on the other side and what their situation is and whether they're an affected firm. So, you know, what do you do to protect your client and, and frankly, your firm to some degree, Stu? Yeah, well, you've got this balance, haven't you? You know, number one, you've got to ensure that your client, you know, in accordance with the instructions you receive, fulfill their obligations under the terms of the contract. And of course, that means sending the purchase monies to the seller's lawyers if you're acting on, on, on a purchase. So, you know, there's a, there is always a balance. But of course, if you know that there is a possibility that uh, a firm may be affected, then you need to clarify that a quick email in writing to, to get a statement that, you know, you're going to rely on. So it's effectively an implied undertaking, um, you know, would suffice. There isn't, you know, we haven't got a crystal ball here um and you do still need to be mindful that you can't willy-nilly withhold monies because your client's then in breach um so you know there is you know a case of just doing the best you can but covering your back by getting a statement from the other side to simply say that they're not affected and they can comply with the undertakings that they've given well complying with the undertakings too now as i say we won't name any names but you did say off air something that i found quite startling really because you said you spoke to someone high up in one yeah. of the affected firms about, frankly, one of the most basic and central issues in any conveyancing transaction, that of the undertaking by the seller's conveyancer. So, mm -hmm. so just tell me that story without naming any names, because I found it quite shocking. Yeah, well, first of all, obviously, I do have massive empathy uh, for the firms that are affected, so I don't want to sort of be too critical. However... Um, I did have one conversation and it was a senior person um, at a particular firm that said we were being difficult in not uh, sending the balance to complete. Uh, and the reason um, that we hadn't sent the balance to complete is A, we'd spoken to our client firstly, but B, the reason we'd spoken to our client is that the firm couldn't um, carry out the terms of the undertaking given in terms of redeeming the mortgage. 
um, and couldn't give any kind of clarity on when that would be. So quite clearly, we couldn't send them the money um, without knowing that the mortgage would be redeemed. And, you know, who knows, maybe a week, a month, a year, who knows? So um, quite incredible to think that um, somebody would think that we would send it on that basis. But So you asked them the direct question, can you give me an undertaking right. or confirm your previously given undertaking no. that you can redeem the mortgage today? And what yes. did they say? No, we can't and confirm. It's unlikely we'll be able to redeem it today, um, but we still want to complete. Uh, and, and the undertaking will be will be modified to say that we will uh, redeem the mortgage when we can. And they thought you were being unreasonable yeah. for not completing yeah. on that yeah. basis. Yeah. I find that extraordinary. No, I really do, no. actually. I find it absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. Um, uh, I must I must say to 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 uh, put a bit me meat on the bones. We had similar conversations with um, others in the same firm, and there were different answers <clears throat> to that question. And, and and others did treat it differently. So I'm not saying it's a, a firm's policy or anything like that. No, no, um, however, once you know that that undertaking has been revoked um, and modified, um, and we've spoken about undertakings and the accuracy of them. Um, you can be very mindful that, you know, uh, it's the kind of fundamental part of a completion, isn't it? That if you send purchase monies to a seller's lawyer, they're going to redeem the mortgage uh, on that day. So, Well, and know. of course, we do have that broader point, don't we? That broader file management point that in the melee of these difficulties, Stu, um, you know, our file must be an accurate record of what was said. And in the heat of these very difficult situations, uh, you know, I wonder whether conversations are being properly noted whether in you know oh, i'll tell you what it's, it's a really important point this isn't it because what you are entering into is the possibility of people suffering a loss mm. uh, and if we enter into the ream of people suffering a loss any kind of um inaccuracy on either side uh making sure that all of this is covered off in writing is obviously of the you know, utmost importance as i'm sure you would anyway but even more so in this kind of circumstance where what you do may be relied upon. Yeah, absolutely. People. And of course, to, um, and we, again, we, we, we talked about all of this off air, didn't we? Um, uh, which is why we decided to do a chat about it on air. Um, but Stu, I mean, it perhaps uh, what I thought, I mean, I mean, I'm no great conspiracy theorist, but everyone will remember again, a similarly probably more dramatic mm. sort of systemic problem within conveyancing from another big, uh, sort of provider um, organization two years ago, November 2021, another cyber attack. Um, and I asked you, is that a coincidence? And and what did you say that I thought was really interesting? Well, it's just, is it a coincidence that it all sort of centers around that Black Friday kind of vibe? Yeah, um, you, know, you do wonder. On a Friday, I think what it goes to show you is that. The fraudsters, and we all know this, we all go on about it, we all talk about it, we're all a target, aren't we? Um, but everybody involved in the conveyancing chain is a target in some way. Um, so those that think it may never happen to us, you're talking some of the biggest conveyancing outfits in the UK have been attacked um, and, th and they've suffered. So we are all, to, to a certain extent, and to coin a phrase, we're all sitting ducks at the moment. Um, and yeah, to think it will never ever happen to us. Well, of course, that's silly. You know, it, it could happen to anybody at any point. And again, making sure that your policies, procedures in terms of, in terms of cyber attack, your business continuity plan, 
Um, and of course, cyber insurance as well, making sure that all these things are up to date and regularly looked at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I say, as somebody who's, uh, well, uh, very old at the weekend, as it happens, um, even older, uh, you know, uh, of course, one can't turn back the prop tech clock. But of course, you do. You just said there, you know, we're all we're all under attack all the time. Uh, And I do worry, uh, you know, uh, and one of the um, uh, testimonials on the the current affected firm's website says, you know, in an era of increased data and connectivity, secure business continuity has never been more important. Knowing our data is secured, stored in a secure location and available to us, us quickly is a big weight off our mind. We will never lose more than 30 minutes of data. Um, you know, we can tackle any eventuality and be secure in the knowledge that we can meet our clients' needs at all times. Shall I tell you what this teaches me? It teaches me that organisations giving other organisations glowing testimonials need to just be a little bit more careful and perhaps a little bit more circumspect about what they say, because mm. this sort of thing can absolutely come and bite you in the backside, can't it, really? Well, of course it can. Look, we're all in a crystal ball as well. Um, just one other point as well, CLC firms especially. Um, I was at the London Roadshow, um, was it last week, week before, and they did one one of the sections on their roadshow was about um, cyber fraud and cyber attacks. Um, and there was some really useful information that they gave out. So CLC firms definitely contact the CLC in general for, for some of those notes because there was some really good information in there. And the I forgot the, the name's chap, the name of the chap that gave the lecture, unfortunately. So bad on my part, but I have to admit he was very good. And what I liked about this chat is it was specific for law firms it was not a generalized talk on yes. cyber attacks it was very generalized on law firms um so i actually found it very useful and we, we came away with a few ideas and a few things we were going to tweak so definitely well worth asking the clc for those notes i'm oh, sure well. i'm sure they said they were going to release those after the, the the last road show that they're holding as well Oh, excellent. Well, thanks for that, Stu. Well, perhaps then we'll we'll bring this slightly impromptu chat to a close. But, uh, you know, we do send out our sympathies to the clients and affected right. firms, and particularly the conveyances on the front line, because any yeah, you know, they're actually picking up the pieces. But I yeah. think the reality of it is, you know, we posed a question at the beginning of this, you know, has has this latest cyber attack caused a lot of property lawyers to lose sight of the contract? And and I think the answer to that sadly might be yes. Mm-hmm. And they perhaps need to be refocusing on, um, you know, as you keep saying, the fact that the sellers and the buyers have entered into a binding contract. Well, there is nothing the lawyer at the front end can do about this, whether they're the one at the firm that's affected, whether they're the one that's acting with the client that's not. You can't alter what's happened. And therefore, the only thing you can do is properly advise your client about the contractual relationship that they've entered into and the implications of the event and what it means to them. That's all you can do. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for your thoughts on that, Stu. Very salient and um, and uh, hugely relevant right now. So thanks for that, lovely, and I'll see you soon. Take care. And you.